Hello, everyone. I am back from a week away. Uh, thank you for understanding uh, that I just didn't have an episode to put out, but I'm back with another one. We're back on track. We're going. I'm really excited for this episode. This is a cool one uh, because it's about somebody playing Rocket League, but also someone very active in other forms of Rocket League, uh, primarily Rocket League content. Kovalo is very active on Twitter. Super nice guy. Really enjoyed chatting with him. I think that you will enjoy this conversation as well. So like always, I'm not going to fiddle about. We're just going to hop right into it. Thank you, Cavallo, for joining me. Let's get going. All right, here we are back again for another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. Today, I have with me Cavallo, who is big in the Rocket League scene, but kind of like not... How do you even look at it? I mean, you converse with a lot of Rocket League people. You spend a lot of time with Rocket League people, but you're not necessarily on the front lines of Rocket League, except on Twitter, where you are quite active. So, uh, Cavallo, thank you so much for joining me. And before we get too deep into the episode, why don't you take just a couple minutes and introduce yourself and, and a little bit of what you do and how we got connected? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, it's actually funny that you mentioned that because I used to get pretty often, um, you know, a lot of people didn't really know what I did. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I guess going back again is I, I used to work for a gaming app um, that was a team finding app. And, uh, and one of our marketing initiatives was working with content creators. And at the time, I was very big into... Um, destiny 2 and i was very big into rocket league so those were two communities that like i really thought like hey these these both these communities would be great for a team finding app you know like rocket league queuing up by yourself sucks you know destiny there's so many activities that you need a team for um so like let's let's kind of go into these communities let's start doing some promotion in there um and that's kind of how i started working with content creators is is we were going out and sponsoring them um and we were a small company so like i handled a lot of that myself um, along with my colleague at the time, uh, Paul Inverum Toddkill, who's one of like the the top mobile esports um, personalities now. Um, but the two of us really kind of built this program where, um, you know, we were working with a lot. I think at one point we were working with almost every single major content creator in Rocket League at the time, um, which I mean, back three, four years ago was pretty much uh, Pick a Pixel, John Sandman, Phantom Ace, uh, Sunless Con, and Floomp. Um, you know, there were a couple other ones here and there, but like, those were some of the main ones. I mean, there was like the Jazers and stuff of the world and the Cronovis, but, um, just through that, like through working with those guys is where I kind of worked my way into the rock league scene. Um, and even like once I, once I left that company, um, I was kind of in limbo for a while. I was doing a little bit of freelance stuff, but I was still very active, like in that, in that rock league community. Um, and I had people ask me all the time, they're like, who are you? You know, they're like, you, <laughs> you're followed by all these guys. You talk with them all the time. Like I was, I, I go to all the, the LAN events and I was doing some work with them there. Um, and I had people come up to me at like LAN events, like when I'm kind of with John and, and Sunless and stuff, they're like, Hey, I don't know who you are, but like, I'm psyched to meet you. Like you must be someone important. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, not really, but, um, so it's funny, even, even when I was talking to Rocket Sledge, who's somebody that I work closely with now, like he was like, yeah, like I had no idea what you actually did. I just know that you knew a lot of people in the community um so yeah so i mean that's pretty much it like i've, I've used twitter really to to stay in that community and, and converse with a lot of those people and, and i think even in the last like six months to a year um is where i've really 
broken more into the like general community and less so just kind of conversing with the content creators. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of that is due to, you know, some of the other people that I've interacted with, you know, like, um, Jackie Wolf has, you know, introduced me to a lot of the community, um, Mm -hmm. you know, talking with Woody a lot has, has introduced me to a lot of the smaller content creators out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really just been like a whole kind of networking thing through Twitter, which is how I've met so many people, um, you know, content creators, big and small, just other community figures, um, just fans of the game. Like it's, it's been, um, it's been pretty cool just to see um, even my own like Twitter account. Like I don't consider myself a influencer by any means, um, but it's cool to see some of the engagement I get on some of my tweets. You know, like I try to be educational sometimes. I try to meme sometimes. You know, I try to have funny interactions, and uh, and it's really cool just to see the response from the community. Well, and I mean, you're at thirteen thousand followers, and obviously, like you're active on Twitter, right? So you do a lot of stuff consistently on there and i think obviously being having the opportunity to interact with those people uh helps grow a following right but also having the right things and saying the right things and doing the right things on there helps as well uh i'm i'm curious about that do you feel like part of that and being able to grow that uh, obviously being able to have those relationships already in place helps. And do you think your persistence and would you say that growing a following is a goal for you on there, or that has been more of a, something that's come out of just you trying to do your own thing on Twitter? So I, I think my, I think my Twitter following is a little bit of a weird a weird scenario. Um, and I tell this to people all the time is that like the, the follower account doesn't matter. Um, you know, like it's, it's a vanity number. It's a vanity metric. Like it looks good. You know, it's nice that I have 13,000 followers. Um, but realistically, you know, like I could tweet something out and it, and it gets one or two likes, you know? So like I, I totally. think my Twitter account is the ultimate test of, is this content good or is this content bad? Um, you know, my audience is wide enough that if the content is good, it can do very well. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not like, I don't have that same kind of following that a content creator would have where, where I could tweet out anything and it's, and it gets engagement. Right. Um, I actually used to have a lot more followers, um, which came again from this gaming app, um, which is where I kind of grew, I grew my Twitter account through that app. You know, we, I think we had like a million users, 150,000 monthly active at one point. Um, and the idea was that as the community, as the community manager of that app was to grow my Twitter account to kind of engage with that community. Um, so I actually had a, I used to have a much bigger following and it's dropped off a little bit lately. Uh, about Hmm. a year ago, I cleaned out all of like the bot follows and, and inactive accounts and dropped like six or 7,000 followers. Um, so like, I mean, the follower account is not so much something that I pay much attention to. Um, Uh but I do notice like the growth in my engagement, right? Like, and, and whereas a year ago, you know, if I had a tweet that, you know, maybe got 50 likes or something like that was a good tweet. Yeah. Um, you know, now I, I see way more engagement and I see way more activity with the community. And I think that's the cooler thing is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm interacting more with, within the community than just kind of like these one-off tweets or talking to a content creator or this and that. Like, I think there's more, um, you know, more reach within the community. Um, mm-hmm. and I think engaging with a lot of people in the community is, is the goal, you know, so it's not so much growing, like, 
growing my follower account is not something I really focus on because I sure. generally lose followers a lot of the time just based on the nature <laughs> of where they came from originally. Sure, you know, yeah. They're they're following for something I don't do anymore. Right. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting. Like I see the growth in, in on the, the other side of it in as the well. slow in the slowing down of how i lose followers you know mm-hmm. so like if there's a month where i didn't lose as many followers i know it's because i grew you know i know i know it's because i i got a couple more you know I, I i got a bit of attention from a few more people that's um that's so, so i think that's like and again like i i always look at that i mean it's the same with the youtube sub count um i think the sub count is it's cool you know like youtube has you know their play buttons like it's a good goal to aim for um, but at the end of the day, I mean, especially with like sponsored brand activations, like the follower account is irrelevant, you know, it's all about the engagement and the views and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's even what I tell all the creators is like the follower account is, is, is cool to see, but make sure your content is good and make sure your content's getting good engagement. So that's, that's what I aim for on Twitter is, is engaging content. Right. So speaking about engaging content and talking to creators, I don't know that you explicitly said what you do. Yes, good point. So so currently I am a talent manager at Clover Talent. Um, and for anybody not familiar with Clover Talent, um, you may have seen us on Twitter somewhere. Um, we're in the, in the bios of a lot of the creators. Um, but we represent um, a good chunk of the creators within the Rock League scene, uh, a decent amount of the pro players. Um, and we're just kind of working every day to try and grow, you know, grow our, our business and, and grow our creator base and our, and our pro, pro pro player base. Um, you know, just to, just to like, we're really heavily invested in the rock league scene. Um, we see a lot of potential, you know, in the, in the scene for, for esports especially, but even on the creator side of things. And, uh, and we're trying to, you know, do our best to make sure that all of these creators are, are well taken care of that they can accomplish their goals, you know, that, that all of our pro players are, you know, in good contracts. Um, they're performing well. We're helping them kind of get into the content game as well. Um, so yeah, we're just, I mean, we're all over, we're, we're a hundred percent in on rocket league. Yes, that is, I mean, I would, I would say that the majority of the upper echelon of the rocket league creators are connected to you guys. Yeah, I would, I would say, um, we, we've got, we've got a decent amount, you know, uh, Sunless Con, Musty, Mertzy. Um, we recently signed Squishy Muffins as a content creator. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a very cool moment for us, um, as someone who's been like one of the, the long OG creators. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're always trying to, you know, look, look and identify kind of the new talent or even the old talent, if we could bring them over to our agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long have you you've clearly been involved in or been aware of rocket league for a long time. So what's, what's your rocket league story like? So I first discovered rocket league, um, from dead mouse, from watching dead mouse play rocket league on stream or, or from him tweeting about it and things like that. Like I was, I've been a diehard dead mouse fan for a long time. So following, you know, following him and seeing rocket league through him was kind of my introduction to, to it. And that was, um, that was before it launched an Xbox and I was always like an Xbox person, um, never had a PC, um, always kind of a console gamer. Um, so I saw this game and I was like, Oh, it's not out on Xbox. Like that sucks. Like when I, I hope it comes out on Xbox soon. I hope it comes out on Xbox soon. And then day one Xbox is when I picked it up. Um, and then I've been playing it ever since. Um, it's not like I don't have a crazy amount of hours in it from being a day one gamer. Um, but I think I'm, I think I'm probably pushing, a, a, you know, close to 2K now. 
Um, you know, and, and it's funny, like I've talked to some of the pro players um, who have literally made their entire careers in the time that I have been champ one to now. Like I first hit champ one about two years ago and I'm still kind of stuck in that champ one, champ two range. So I've talked to, to some of the pros and they're like, yeah, I started playing in like 2018 and now I'm a professional esports player. And I'm like, yeah, I've been, I've been the, the same rank for that time. So <laughs> it's been a bit of a struggle, but I've been playing since essentially the day it came out on Xbox. Okay. And so you're still in like the champ one, champ two range? Yeah. Yeah. I've been sitting there for a while. Last, last two seasons were rough, you know, dropped, dropped into the diamond three diamond mm-hmm. two when they had the, the rank adjustment that didn't seem to make much sense. But, uh, now that they seem to have fixed it, I'm, uh, definitely happier not being stuck in diamond after being a champ for two years. <laughs> yeah. So how does it, how does it feel for you to have been the same rank for such a long period of time? It, it's it's frustrating, you know, but like at the same time, like I don't put in the work, um, you know, like I think I had like 35 hours in the last two weeks um, on Rock League recently. And that's probably the most time that I've had in probably the last year. You know, I'm, I'm uh-huh. usually pushing like maybe maybe 10 hours, maybe 20 hours. You know, I, I'm not on it too often. I, I, I get on, play a couple games, get off. Um, you know, I haven't really grinded out too much of like practicing mechanics and things like that. So mm-hmm. I just think it's funny knowing how much I've personally improved over that time. Like the my skill level now compared to what my skill level was when I first hit champ um, yeah. is just so vastly different. Mm-hmm. that I'm like a little bit amazed that I haven't moved. Um, but then I look at how I play sometimes and I'm like, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I feel the same way that, you know, over the past month or so, I have been improving more and doing a lot of things better, a lot of things better than I have in the past. And I was in the same boat as you. I made a video in 2018, like the fall of 2018, about me hitting champ for the first time. And right now I'm still champ two, which of course in season three of free to play, they lowered the barrier for all of the ranks. And so I'm still really at the same MMR as I was last year. So have I really improved? I don't know. And yet I still feel extremely more skilled than I was even like a month ago. But those two years prior, I feel like I was improving and yet I was still kind of in the same place. And I will tell you that I've been putting in a lot more hours than 10 to 30 every couple of weeks. Like it was a lot. And so I question, you know, what was I actually doing with that time? Was it actually productive and things of that nature? So I can understand how if obviously Rocket League is not necessarily a priority in terms of ranking up and spending a lot of time on the grind. So being in the same place isn't, you're probably not losing sleep over it. No, I, so I have a, I have a friend of mine who started playing, um, probably about two years ago now, but he, he plays a lot less than I do. Um, and he ranked up really quickly. Like, like he, he was a a college hockey player. He kind of understood the, the rotational game of, of rocket league like pretty easily like he came into it very well um his mechanics aren't great um but they're they're pretty good like i would rather team up with him in 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 doubles than solo queue um but he hit champ two before i ever hit champ two and that made me angry 
<laughs> so so when he hit champ two like that really pushed me to be like all right i'm like that's it i'm done like i'm doing it like i'm getting up to champ two and i think i like i kind of set myself a time like every day i'm going on i'm grinding like until i until i get up there um so like that was a that was a funny kind of motivator for me to to get better um but aside from that like I really couldn't care less. Like I was always kind of like, I, you know what, if I hit plat in Rocket League, like I'll be happy with that rank. And then once mm-hmm. I was in plat, you know, I was like, okay, I could push for diamond. Like once I hit diamond, I'll be happy with that rank. Um, and now that I'm in champ, I'm still like, if I hit grand champ, like that would be cool. But like, I'm still, you know, comfortably in the top 5% of players. Like I'm still a pretty good player. Um, and I don't put in, like, I know that I don't put in the time that I need to, to improve. Um, so like I'm I'm happy where I am. Like I I have a very um like a very interesting way of looking at it that like I know that I know that I'm improving personally. So like I'm I'm okay with it. Um but I still absolutely I get very tilted in games. Like I, I don't like losing games and I don't like ranking down. So I so I'm always trying to improve, but like I'm not I'm definitely not losing sleep over it, but it's it's frustrating at times. It's it's the it's the the way that I would look at that is, you know, the pain of losing these games for you right now hasn't yet outweighed the pain it might take to really take 20 hours a week, you know, double or triple your practice time and your free play time or whatever to actually rank up like you're happy enough where you yeah. are to the point I, where you don't feel like you really need to keep on grinding and, and get to the next place. I, uh, I really need to take some, I actually spend a, I'd spend a decent amount of time in free play. Um, because I would much rather just kind of like log on for an hour and like sit in free play kind of like mindlessly driving around and hitting the ball. Like I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. I think the free play experience is actually like the best rocket league experience. Um, but the problem is, is that's what I do is I just drive around and hit the ball, you know, and, it, right. and it's improved. Yeah. Like, like my aerial mechanics aren't bad. Um, I'm decent, like with the ball, but like when it comes to, um, speed flip or half flip or, uh, a flip reset or a ceiling shot, like, like my mechanics for that kind of stuff are just awful. And I know that if I just like sat down for a week and said, okay, I'm going to go into training every day this week and, you know, practice my flip resets, like I could get them and, and I could, you know, I could improve in that way. And I think that might be kind of what's holding me back is just a little bit of those extra mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the same time, like I'm, I just, I, I log on, I play a couple ranked games, I sit in free play and then I'm like, all right, I'm good. I, I that's yeah. enough for me. Um, so I think I always used to like, I used to exclusively solo queue because at the time, like most of my friends in the game were these content creators who were in the, the, the GC ranks, you know, um, right. or they were other friends who were kind of newer to the game who were in the, the gold and silvers. So I didn't really have that, that rank, you know, connection with someone where I was like, all oh, right, like let's like, we can, we can queue together. Mm-hmm. Um, now more recently, like I definitely queue a lot more with other people. Um, I queue with Woody a lot. Um, and that's, fun sometimes and then infuriating sometimes because what he loves to not only chase demos but the ball and boost so those games can like we played two games the other day and i think we scored 15 goals between us in two games but then we could also just play two games and just absolutely get crushed yeah Um, and then we just troll each other the whole time so like it's uh (laughs) you know it's it's always a like it's always a fun experience at least even if we're dropping mmr but um 
now that I'm playing, I guess, more with other people instead of solo queuing all the time, like I've just found like, it's the game is so much more enjoyable that way. Like win or lose, like you can have a little bit of fun. Mm. Um, whereas like if you're solo queuing and you're losing, like that is miserable. Sure. Um, because what happens when you're solo queuing, if you lose, it's either one, it's your fault or two, it's your teammates faults. And either one of those options, like are bad you know like you're sitting there going like oh i suck i should have hit that or you're like i can't believe my teammate didn't hit that he sucks um so like i, I just like the the solo queue experience is infuriating mm-hmm. um so whenever i queue with other people like, it's always always a better time um because then when woody misses something then i just roast him for it even though he's much better than me well and i i need to get in some games with woody because when when he was on the show and we were talking about his game like he spends i think it was almost like the game that we looked at because i like i randomly queued into a game against him and he spent a hundred seconds without boost like he spent almost two full minutes of that game on zero boost and just with like how fast he goes around the field and uh, how much he doesn't pay attention to the ball sometimes. It's it's almost just as much of a challenge to play with him, I'm sure, as it is to play against him. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an adjustment playing with him. And then like when I play with him and then go and, and switch and play with some other people, um, there's definitely like I have to adjust because when I play with him, I kind of let him do a lot of the stuff. Even when there's times that it's definitely my ball, I'll mm-hmm. back off on it because I know Woody's coming from the other side to like take it up the wall and hit a flip reset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then I end up playing very passively. And then when I end up like on another team, like I'm playing passively maybe when I shouldn't be. Sure. Um, you know, and then obviously there's times where I see Woody coming for the corner boost and, I, and I'm on 100 boost and I just, you know, use a little bit of boost, grab the corner boost just so Woody can't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get scored on, but it's okay because I know, I know that it made Woody mad. It was worth it in the yeah. end. So if you had to describe your play style, how would you, if your ideal way that you could play the game, you know, whether it's with uh, any kind of teammate, if they would adjust to how you wanted to play the game, how would you play Rocket League? I, I would, I'd honestly probably prefer to ball chase. Like I like being on the ball. Um, I have a lot of fun with that. Um, you know, so if somebody was going to play back and just let me chase the ball, um, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd love that. Um, my mechanics aren't the best, but I think, I think I have pretty good decision making in the way I play the ball. Um, you know, rather than just banging it down the field. I mean, I do sometimes, um, but like just trying to control it, you know, control the fifties, you know, take it up off the wall or chip it around the, the opponents, um, things like that. I think actually it was, it was watching Rizzo's, uh, road to grand champ series so good. Um, a few of the games that he was playing in diamond which i was like you know high diamond low champ at the time um listening to his commentary on why he was making this challenge or why he was backing off or why he was doing a lot of the things he was doing um you know a lot of people look at those road to gc series and just see it as like like boring content like every content creator does one but like if you actually watch them, you get really good insight into how these pro players think, um, especially at these specific ranks. Um, so I know that that actually really helped me a lot with my decision making, um, just in general in terms of like challenges and and kind of how to play, um, you know, how to how to think faster. 
because um, that's one thing that amazes me is like how fast these pro players think about what they're doing. And since I mean they don't really think about it, right? They just do it instinctively, right? Um, and and you know, as somebody in champ, like we don't have that for sure. Um, like mm-hmm. listening to them calm, like my calms are awful because I can't think fast enough to calm what I'm about to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's that's kind of it. Like I'd love to just chase the ball um, and, <laughs> and play that way. And and I just like I I enjoy the ground game even though I'm not good enough at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I I, th- I find that to be you know, fun. Like I love watching ones and seeing the like really good ground game. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a good ground game, even though you don't necessarily get to execute it on a consistent basis in a threes game and more in twos, having a good ground game in threes though, allows you to do so many more things than you would think that can be effective in champ one, champ two, and especially ranks below those ranks like going back to Rizzo's you know road to GC I remember how many times especially in Platinum Diamond he talks about letting the other team hit the ball at him and then take possession and try to hit the ball against the wall or dribble past one or two opponents and then he's all he has to do is beat one more person and then he's setting somebody else up for a goal yeah yeah exactly like things like that whereas like you know some people would like ball chase to ball chase right like they're just going at the ball no matter what but like mm-hmm. you could you could kind of just play the ball very very well but like you're not just you're not just diving at it you know you're mm-hmm. waiting for the right moment to to challenge or to take the right 50 to have it go in your favor so i think that's that's like one of the keys to to kind of how you ball chase effectively yeah and i think that's a skill in itself and one thing that i noticed probably about a month or so ago in terms of quote unquote playing fast, like if I watch even Rizzo or Justin or any any pro player, if you watch them play, they're not going supersonic into the ball. They're going really fast to a certain position so that they can be ready to take possession of the ball. And I feel like there's a big difference in between the two. Like when you're just zooming around the field, then you're going to hit the ball really hard and you can't take possession. But if you're going around the field really flat, fast fast and getting ready to be in a position to then take possession those are two extremely different things yeah exactly that's that's actually one thing that i changed in my game i i'd say probably a little bit more recently is is just controlling the ball more than banging it away you know mm-hmm. like when when the ball comes into your end and and like you have a chance you know you have a decision to to just bang it to the other end of the field or to, to try and catch it and control it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that I've started to do more of is trying to catch and control it. Um, I just need a, you know, a better ground game to take more advantage of that. And I yep. think if, if I improved on my flicks, if I improved on my dribbling uh, capabilities, like I would, I'd be in a much better position than I am now. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I want to go back to something that you said earlier in terms of solo queuing. And you said, you only have two options. It's either my fault or my teammate fault, teammate's fault, and both of those are bad. And I think that's interesting because, I mean, that is not an uncommon, uncommon point of view at all. And when I personally, when I think of something as my fault, I don't look at that as something bad because it's something that I have an opportunity to improve on. Like when I screw something up, I see that and think, oh, okay, now this is something that I can actually 
work on to make myself better. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's definitely like, I mean, I look at it in that way in some regard. Um, but I think a lot of the times, like if I if I make a mistake, it's either it's either like something that's like very clearly mechanical that I just like am not mechanically gifted enough to do, in which case I'm like, oh, I'm terrible at this game. Um, I should I should make my mechanics better, but I know I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> or like if I if I make a stupid challenge, you're, you know, and they chip it over me, I, I just think to myself, oh, like I know what I was supposed to do there. I just didn't do it. Um, and, and sometimes like, sometimes I just play bad, you know, like sometimes I get into a game and I'm just not feeling it. And, you know, sometimes I could get in and like, I'm just playing lights out and just killing it and like hitting every touch. And then sometimes like I just get on and it's just, it's just awful. And I'm just like, Oh, yeah, like this is not working for me. Like I just got to get off and, and kind of reset. Um, you know, so like, I mean, I mean, aside from like those two, like, you know, my fault or my teammates fault, there are games where like. Uh, you know, we get in and we just, and we just get outplayed, you know, like where it's actually not a bad mm-hmm. game. Um, the other team was just, just, was just good. You know, like they just beat us, you know, in that one point where, where they needed to beat us to, to win the game. You know, there, there's definitely, there's definitely those instances. Um, but I, but I find way more common is the either, either I really screwed that up or this guy really screwed that up. Um, and I think that like, that's the toughest part of rock league is that you could be, you could be insane at the game um and if your teammates don't play well with you like it's not even necessarily if they're bad or good it's 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 about styles kind of fitting together if they don't mm-hmm. play well with you um you know it's it's hard it's hard to do anything yeah um you know like when i so when i hit champ two this season like when i finally made it back in um i queued up you know solo queue i ended up queuing into into two guys um who just like hard carried me i thought i played awful <laughs> Um, but one of the, one of the dudes was streaming. So I went to check out his stream. Um, and he just, he was saying like really nice stuff, you know, like he's like, oh, these guys, both these guys are really good. And I was like, really, is he really saying I'm good? Cause I've been playing like terrible. Um, so then, so then we all partied up and we went on a 12 game win streak or something like we, it just worked, you know? And like, I still don't feel like I was playing that well. Um, but, but, you know, these two guys I thought were really good. So I played back, I played passively. I fit into, to the style to let them do what they needed to do. Um, and it was like one of the best gaming experiences I've had with these two guys. Um, so like that's what, it, that's all it comes down to is, is making sure that you can adapt to your teammate styles and that, and that you all like kind of mesh together, mm-hmm. um, you know, good or bad, like you'd be playing with bad teammates, but if they fill the right slots that, that need to be filled, um, you know, you could, you could do very well as a team. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of part of it. You know, like there's, there's definitely the, the bad teammates, everyone loves blaming their bad teammates. I, I love doing it all the time. Um, and there's also the, I'm the bad teammate, you know? So it's just a matter of finding that right, that right mix and the right, and that right fit. Yeah. And I think it, I appreciate that story. It, it was kind of going to be my next question. I was going to ask as somebody that really wants to be able to chase the ball, how do you do with adjusting to the teammates that you get? Because Part of winning in Rocket League, especially when you're talking about solo queuing, is being able to adjust to the randomness that you're given. Sometimes people are people just win more games because they do better playing with whatever random teammate they get than especially in twos. Like if two people don't gel, they're just screwed. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I actually, so I don't, like when I'm solo queuing, I always play passive. Mm. Um, so I don't really get to ball chase as much as I would like to. Got it. Um, even when I play with people, because a lot of times the people I'm playing with are better than me. So I, mm-hmm. I kind of sit back and kind of let them do their thing. Um, but when I have the opportunity to do something, like I, I enjoy doing that. Like I love playing with the ball. Um, yeah. I hate sitting back and just waiting for, you know, the ball to come to me to like make a save or whatever. But um, I actually do. Like I, I tend to play very passively. Um, I, I think, you know, Woody tells me I have an awful shooting percentage all the time. Cause I'll have like five shots on goal and, and no goals. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm a passer. <laughs> That's it. You know, I'm putting it off the backboard for you to, to finish. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I, I mean, I, I definitely have a more passive play style just like from adapting to solo queuing for, for, you know, so long, but, um, depending on who I'm playing with, like if I'm playing with somebody that I know that I can trust to be back. Sure. Um, then I'll then I'll just push up a little bit more. I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely starting to adapt my play um, to get a little bit more demo heavy as well uh, as I've learned from Woody. Um, I, I don't chase the way he does, but I mean I've 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 definitely made some good demo plays, you know. And I and I never even really thought about demoing before, um, you know. Me and me and Woody started playing together, so um, that's a lot of fun. Especially like I've played a couple games, you know, with Woody and Sledge as a threes team, and that's sure. a lot of fun. Cause it's just booms all over the place. Um, and I can just roll the ball into a, uh, an empty net. Yeah. That will really increase your shot percentage. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you hit the ball soft enough that it doesn't even give you a shot, then you're, then you're shooting a thousand percent. No problem. I've had, I've had games with Woody where I've literally scored five goals, all of them into an empty net where I just like slowly roll it in. Oh man. That, and I'm the majority of the Rocket League community can probably not emotionally handle playing games against Woody. No, it's I mean, if you watch his videos and see some of the stuff that gets said to him. Oh my gosh. Um that's probably only a fraction of his day-to-day uh game chats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh and I know even even on the last one there were some things that like we made sure he removed because they were just a little bit too much for YouTube. Um, but it's all that like, that's a lot of fun. Cause then you just get to troll like really hard and people are just very angry. Um, and, and, and it's usually, and it usually just starts off one or two demos, you know, like you demo them once or twice and they're, and they, and they fly off the rails, mm-hmm. you know, it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not like we were excessive or toxic first or anything like that. You know, you just, you demo somebody one time and score a goal and all of a sudden they want to kill you. Well, and it really depends on what part of the game that's in, right? If it's in the first 30 seconds, the, if you, if you demo somebody within the first 20 to 30 seconds of a game, it, you know, it's, it's whatever. If it is like, oh gosh. Give me just one second. Yeah, no problem. It's one thing if it's like mid-rotation and you're going th- across the goal and you get a demo. And if it's in with within the first 20 or 30 seconds of a game, if if I were on the opposite team, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm in for. And that can be a little bit, you know, aggravating. Yeah. Or it can set somebody up to be really aggravated, if, especially if it's followed by another demo on the other teammate very quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, so the first time, so how I actually met Woody was in game. Um, and I queued up against him. Um, 
and I knew him just from Twitter, like from interacting with Sledge's tweets and, and seeing his his Twitter, you know, commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so right away, like I knew what he was going to do. Um, and I insulted him uh, at first. I told him that, <laughs> that he was a wannabe Sledge or I said Sledge was better than him or something, something along those lines um, as a joke, you know. Um, and then like I was just I was cautious and I was paying attention. And, and I think like one of my teammates or one of his teammates got mad at him that game. Um, but then me and Woody queued up right after that um, and played a couple other games. And like, even like right away, like after a few games, I think I beat him the first time we played and then we queued up and queued again and ended up against like one of the same people um, and lost. And they just like went off about like, oh, you're chasing demos. Like, that's why you lost and like, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, I mean, we're just, just out here having fun. Like it was a fun game. Um, Woody probably demoed, you know, 10 people. Um you know, so it's, it's it's always funny to see like how and when it starts, you know, whether it's 10 seconds into the game and just like a random demo or if like if Woody's chasing a demo in their corner and I get scored on on a 1v1, which happens way more often than I would like, um, <laughs> you know, it's always the was chasing the demo worth it. And and the answer is yes, it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's it's about the demo. It's not yeah. about winning the game. That's that's funny. So if you if you had to put on or if you had to list out something that would take your game to the next level, like if you were going to go into free play and like really work on something, you were talking about ground game earlier. So what do you think you would really spend time doing or what do you think right now would take your game to the next level? Like when you think about those mistakes that you make in a game, what are those, what are the holes that you see? I, I think um, ground game now is something that I'd probably work the most on because that's kind of the easiest thing to do when you're just kind of messing around in free play. Um, you know, but I think right now, um, I would say a little bit more of the flashier stuff would improve my gameplay. Um, you know, being able to take it up off the wall, you know, and hitting a nice double touch or hitting a flip reset or hitting something off the ceiling that would just give me that extra edge, you know, in some situations where I kind of take it off the wall and just hit it at the net. Um, I also think off the wall in my own end, um, just getting power on balls or making sure that I'm like hitting it off the wall um, or controlling it off the wall. I I feel like that's something where I still struggle with quite a bit. And that's like the worst spot. Cause if you screw something up there, like the ball's dropping right in front of your net and you're flailing through the air. Um, you know, so I would I would definitely say you know anything off the wall, whether it's kind of, kind of a, a flip reset or a ceiling shot or just like playing backboard defense, um, and uh, yeah, I mean just like making sure that I'm either like quicker decision making, you know, mm-hmm. where I either just go in for the challenge right away or I stay back and, and, you know, shadow or stay in my net. Like I just, there's, there's still uh, quite a few times where I'm just like in the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, because, and I think that's, that's probably a part of playing with Woody because I never know if he's going for the demo or if he's going for the ball because he can do both really well. Like he's, he's pretty mechanically gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're actually gonna have to cut this in case Woody listens to it. Cause he can't hear me say that. Um, I'll, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, so like sometimes like he'll come off the ceiling and I'm like, not really sure if he's actually going to go for 
a flip reset or a ceiling shot or if he's just going to land and go for the demo you know to try and demo the guy in the net and let the ball roll in um so i'll i'll push up you know in in expectation that he's going to go for the demo but then he grabs the ball so then i kind of back off a little bit and that puts me in a in an awkward position so just like trying to trying to get better on that i mean that decision making is not really something i could practice i guess or train for in free play as much but i would like to just for my own sake um and even if it doesn't really help me rank up i would like to be able to do the flashier stuff i want to mm-hmm. hit some nice ceiling shots i want to hit some nice flip resets um so that's i mean that's probably like the, my next go to um of like if i ever sit down and be like all right i'm going to practice this thing until i know how to do it is is going to be a flip reset and yeah. uh, and getting better at the ceiling shots it's interesting that you said, uh, I know that you just said flip resets and ceiling shots. The thing that stuck out to me was the backboard. It almost sounded to me like clears and just the ability to get rid of the ball effectively from your own half. Uh, and I think it's interesting that we've been talking about this whole quote unquote demo meta because I can remember on another episode of this podcast and just in general, I've heard Garrett G talk a lot about the demo meta and how effective demos are, especially becoming more and more effective in the pro game. And I feel like NRG in in the last major really showed off the effectiveness of demos, getting people off of the field and how good that helps. Me and some friends were playing casual games, but we we queued into another team that was very sweaty like these were proper gc games in casuals and these guys were bumping us they were going for demos sometimes you know one guy would have the ball he'd leave it and go upfield hunting for a demo and leave the ball for one of his teammates to pick up and carry down the field like they were very coordinated and working very hard to get us off the field and we won two games and we won one game like five to three. It was pretty effective. And then the next game, we could not clear the ball. And they were taking all of our boost. They were bumping us. They were demoing us. The ball was staying in our half because we couldn't do anything. And then they scored six goals on us. I think in one of the games, they scored like eight goals on us. It was eight <laughs> to one or eight to yeah. two. But as soon as we actually got the ball out of our half, they were so pressed up. They were so aggressively positioned that it was scoring on an empty net. All we had to do is get it towards the net and we scored. Yeah. Being able to clear the ball effectively is one of the most underrated things in this game, especially if you have a team like that. The one we were playing last night, their, their team name was Velveeta Esports. Uh, or if you're playing against somebody like Woody, that is just being so aggressive. If you get the ball you know, out of the rotation so that they have to change their path and they can't be so aggressive. It's hard to react quickly to that. Yeah, exactly. And, and like uh, even more so in twos, you know, because if you have one person who's up and right. demoing the other person trying to play the ball, like there's nobody back, you know, mm-hmm. if you're playing threes, you can have that one person, you know, chase a demo, one person plays the ball and then you have a third person kind of at midfield. Um, but in twos, I mean, if you're, if one guy's demoing, one guy's playing the ball, like, if you lose that challenge, it's done. Like it's over. Yeah. So um, it's it's actually interesting because one question that I asked Woody when I had him on the show was, you know, if if you're always going about demoing people and taking somebody off the field, basically all you're doing is creating a 1v1 game inside of a 2v2 game. 
And is that really an effective, like, is that an effective style of play? And I can't remember if he said yes or no, or I don't know. And now I have the opportunity of having somebody that he's played twos <laughs> with and creating that atmosphere. And, I, and how do you feel about it? I mean, I, I'm not a good ones player. Um, so at times it's definitely rough. Like there's definitely times where I look at Woody and he's just at the other end of the field going back and forth to the spawns, blowing the dude up, you know, and I'm like, this is not helping me at all. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, like there's also, I mean, it, it, it definitely depends on who you're playing with because I mean, Woody can very easily demo one guy, then get the second guy, then get the guy on respawn. Like he can take those two players out the field. So it's essentially a one V zero. Mm -hmm. um you know which i've experienced plenty of times and it's very easy to score a 1v0 um but i think just like in terms of in terms even if you even if you do like if he's take if what he's taking himself out of the game and it's a 1v1 um you know like chances are we've got most of their boost um the guy respawning like he's not getting anything done you know so if if i've got the boost pads in our end what he's got the boost pads in their end like I'm, we're both able to boost starve the, the one guy who's not demoed. Um, you know, the guy who's getting demoed is, is out of it. Um, so, I mean, like, it's definitely, if, if I was a better teammate, um, you know, what he should take that one V one every day, you know, mm -hmm. because he knows that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to be there with more boost than the other guy. Um, and the, and, and the guy he's taking care of is out of it. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I would definitely, I would, I would take that, like, I'd take that, that, that matchup all day long. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I wish I was better at one so I could be more effective. Um, but like, I would, I'd, I'd always take that matchup. Um, it's, I think it's way easier, you know, to play with somebody who's demoing the other team. Like if, if you're taking them out, um, it's going to be much easier than just like playing a, a regular two V two game, mm -hmm. um, or a three V three game. Um, and, and I mean, the thing about Woody is that he'll get, more than one guy so it's it's more often than not not a 1v1 it's a 1v0 or it's a 2v1 or or you have the advantage so in those circumstances obviously having a spectacular ground game is key because yeah. really all you have to do is get it in their goal as quickly as possible have to not hit the post which yeah. is always tough when you have an open net and too much time i feel like those posts just get bigger and bigger the more empty the goal is. Yeah, I think that's how it works. <laughs> so, and I guess I want to give you some credit to that as well, because as a champ one or champ two player playing with Woody, who's GC one or GC two, the competition is a little bit different as opposed to you solo queuing, if uh, Woody I, is on his main account. I would like to say yes, um, but the truth is, is that when Woody queues us into ranked on his main account, I get really mad. <laughs> So Woody, Woody tends to hop on his on his alt oh, account really? for that. Yeah, because he also changed his name um, so that we could get a little bit more of the salty clips out of it. Mm. Um, so people plays, don't know yeah, what when they're he plays under his name. It's, it's a little bit more difficult now that he's grown in popularity, I guess. Popularity or infamy, depending on yeah. how you look at it. A lot of people, a lot of people still say he's fake, um, especially on his Epic account, which I think was for his creator code. Right. Um, his name was Woody RL. So everyone was like, oh, you're just copying Woody. Like who would make their name Woody RL? Um, so that's always good because then they'll show up on Twitter or in a video a few, few weeks or a month later. <laughs> I actually did that to 
Verge ones. Um, I can't re I can't honestly remember how it happened. I think that, oh, like a, so an actual Verge popped up into one of my games, but it was Rocket Labs. So I was playing Rocket oh, Labs okay, with yeah. some friends and then a guy with the name Verge popped up into our games and I was like, oh, it's, it's Verge. And I checked his account and I can't remember if he was friends with any pros or not, but he didn't have the dig game clan like the rocket league clan which i would assume he would since he's their coach and then also i looked at his profile picture or his profile on steam and somewhere it said like gary and not verge so i can't remember exactly what why it didn't make sense to me but i was like oh he's just a fake and then i said it on twitter (laughs) <laughs> that I ran into a fake Verge and he was like, oh no, that was me. Yeah, and I was like, funny, oh, I man. actually remember Verge. I, I know he uses the name Gary. At a lot in his videos too. Or, yeah. yeah, in videos or something. Yeah, that's funny. So I felt like a bit of a jerk having the, <laughs> and Verge has been on the podcast. So I mean, whether or not he remembered that or knew who I was at that moment, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, oh man, well, if I ever want to have him back, there goes the possibility <laughs> of that happening. Yeah. So I'm curious before before we start winding things down. Um, one thing that I had written down. So, do you have like a marketing background, or what is what did you do that got you into working with this app, and then doing the like marketing side and working with content creators? Yeah. So so I um, I I went to school for marketing. Okay. Um, you know, and I and I did like this digital marketing course. Um, and, and the reality of it was, is that I went to do this course just to get a piece of paper that said I knew marketing, um, because a lot of my stuff was self-taught, you know, like I I've been, um, you know, I've been on the internet my whole life. Um, you know, I've, I've grown up in business settings. Um, you know, I understood the internet very well and social media and all that stuff. Um, I, I actually initially started my career as a graphic designer. Um, so I kind of started doing some graphic design work and some marketing work. Um, eventually I ended up, uh, starting my own app, which was like a a music social media app. Um, it's, it's funny because one of our main competitors at the time was another music app called musically. Um, and that was the app that was bought by ByteDance and turned into TikTok. Yeah. I was just about to say, did you start musically? (laughs) My main competitor was the OG TikTok. Um, so anyways, after, after, after a while, I think I worked on that for about two years before eventually we ended up having to shut down. Um, we needed way too many fixes on the app. Um, you know, we weren't growing as fast as we needed to be. We weren't securing the investment we needed to secure. Um, so I ended up shutting that down and I moved out. Um, I'm originally from Montreal, but I moved out into Ontario, um, you know, and just kind of went to go live with a buddy of mine there um, while I freelanced and kind of figured out the next steps. Um, I ended up getting hired there by this app, um, mostly because of my background in startups, you know, Mm -hmm. not so much of my gaming experience, but my background in the startup world and and in building kind of social mobile apps um, and things like that. So 
that's that's where I kind of got my start there. And then what was cool was that I, I actually initially didn't get the job. Um, the the person I mentioned earlier, uh, Paul, actually had gotten the job. Um, we were we applied for the same job, and Paul had gotten it because of his gaming background. Um, you know, he was like an experienced, um, you know, experienced caster um, for Heroes of the Storm. Uh, he had done a bunch of work with Blizzard. He was kind of a little bit more familiar with the space, so he originally got the job. Um, and then the founder of the company emailed me back like a week later saying like, hey, we figured out a way that we could also hire you. Um, so like, perfect, awesome. Um, so I think the fact that I was able to go there and work with Paul, um, you know, he taught me a ton about the gaming industry and I taught him a lot about the startup industry. So, um, you know, through that is where I really gained a lot of my gaming industry knowledge and my esports knowledge. Um, and, and now like I'm, I'm kind of invested in, in everything really, you know, like I pay attention to YouTube, I pay attention to Twitch. I'm definitely the most invested in rock league esports. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm in, interested and I follow along with, um, you know, Valorant and rainbow six. Um, I actually worked at Ubisoft for a few months prior to Clover talent, um, on the esports team for rainbow six. Hmm. Um, you know, I follow just like a lot of the general going ons of the esports industry. You know, I'm not a huge Overwatch fan or a Call of Duty fan or a League of Legends fan, but like I I, I kind of look at some of the bigger things that happen in those in those games. Um, you know. Like going five V five. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that, you know, things that make some waves. Um, you know, so I mean CDL did it first, right? By dropping a four V four. So it's it's not unexpected, you know, but mm-hmm. um so yeah, I mean that that's kind of how I got here was was essentially through the startup world and then and then kind of coming into this gaming app with no real gaming industry knowledge. I mean, I've been a gamer my whole life. Um, you know, I I you know used to apply to Ubisoft on a monthly basis because Ubisoft always had a big you know a big hub in Montreal, mm. um, and I never never got anywhere with it. Um, and then you know eventually one day I get I get an opportunity with this app, and that's my kind of introduction into the gaming industry. Um, and now, you know, since then, I, I mean, I, I would definitely look at myself as one of the more knowledgeable, um, kind of YouTube slash Twitch people, you know, I just have a, you know, I've been, I've been kind of studying it for, for years, you know, the, the metrics, um, you know, the trends, you know, I've been following a lot of these rock league guys since, um, you know, 20 K subs, 30 K subs, 40 K subs, you know, like Sunless Khan, I was looking at it at 30k subs um floomp i was looking at at 10k subs um you know so like i've been following a lot along a lot of those trends and kind of their their history and their growth and what they've done to succeed um and a lot of things like that for just a lot of creators kind of through rocket league and through other games as well and that's kind of where i've built up my knowledge of that that kind of part of the industry Mm -hmm. um you know twitch was a little bit newer to me i never watched twitch prior to that to that first kind of gaming app job um the idea of watching somebody else play video games to me was weird yeah until i started watching it and then i realized like it's not so much about watching people play video games as it is you know just becoming a part of a community i think that's Mm -hmm. kind of the, the the aspect of twitch that a lot of people don't understand is that it's way i think it's way more about community than it is about video games mm-hmm. um and i think with some of the bigger guys like you know if you're looking at a nick Merckx or a tim the tatman or a 
one of those things where the chat, you know, moves way too fast that it's like, like at that point, you're just watching kind of something for entertainment and those guys are super entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, Twitch has always been about the smaller channels. Um, you know, not necessarily small channels, like still some, some of these channels with a couple hundred viewers, which are very, very good sized channels. Um, but the communities that get built through those channels. Um, yeah. And I think Twitch, like Twitch is way more community focused than YouTube as well. So it's, there's definitely like very big differences between kind of the two platforms. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been following along with, you know, everything that's gone on in that industry, like in this, this kind of niche portion of this industry, um, for, for such a long time that I've just like gained a lot of experience in doing it. Um, and what's really cool now is I, I've always kind of said, you know, I dabbled a little bit into content creation. Um, you know, I, I made some YouTube videos. I streamed some, a couple times on Twitch, you know, I never really, I never really got into it much. Um, I mainly did it as a source of knowledge, right? You know, the best way to, to learn how to do something is to just do it. So, yeah. you know, I taught myself how to edit videos and I taught myself, um, you know, how to, how to do YouTube and how to stream and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and I think the way I've always looked at it is that I could build a killer YouTube channel if I wasn't the, the subject, you know, like I know how it mm. works, but I don't think myself, I don't think I have the right personality or I'm the, the type of person who likes being on camera or who wants to kind of be that content creator person. Um, but if I had somebody who was that kind of person, you know, I could really help elevate their brand to the next level. Um, so that's, that's a lot of what I'm trying to do now. And we're, and we're, and we're building these programs out for some of our pro guys too um, to, to start building out their content. Um, you know, so guys like Reddles and Gyro who have now started kind of getting active on YouTube. Um, you know, that's a lot of, you know, those guys are, are, are doing a lot of hard work and, and getting the content out and, and kind of participating in these strategy meetings and stuff like that. But a lot of that is, um, you know, we're, we're all working, you know, that we're finding an editor, we're working with that editor. Um, we're, we're kind of pitching some ideas. We're getting all this stuff together. We're trying to make it as easy an experience as possible for these guys to get into content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so far, you know, the results are looking pretty good. So we're just kind of excited to keep going down that path um, and helping these guys build their brands up. So what, and I think something that you could offer, especially like the Infinite Boost podcast community or audience, because this this show is really focused on growth and improvement and things of that nature. And it's not the same and it's the same, you know, growing a YouTube channel or growing a following, I wouldn't say is that much different than getting better at Rocket League. Um, you know, it's just building a skill set and learning how to do something and learning how to do it better every day. So when you are having conversations with your creators or people that are thinking about working with you guys or somebody that you might be interested in bringing on in the future, you know, there are a lot of roadblocks that come up in content creation, whether that be like, what do I do next? Or, you know, mental, mental things that get in the way, like I'm not good enough or this video isn't good enough or I don't know what to do. Like, how do you, do you ever work with people on that stuff? Or do you ever have conversations with people about, you know, that, just start getting having things get in the way and like how do you work with people through some of those roadblocks yeah i think so i've i've had a tough time with that personally because like i'm such a big fan of all these creators you know like it's hard for like 
I'll have a creator come to me and be like, oh yeah, this video didn't perform well. Like, I don't think it was that good. And I'll be, and I'm like sitting there like, well, like I enjoyed the video. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you know, so I, I find it hard to really talk, not talk down on these videos, but like, I, like, I really enjoy a lot of the content that, that a lot of the creators I work with put out. Mm -hmm. Um, so when they get a video that doesn't perform well, or they're not happy with it, like, I don't always have an answer as to why that is. If I personally like really like the video, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it comes down to taste, you know, sometimes there's stuff that I like that somebody else won't like. Um, but, but I think the main thing is that, you know, people always say like, don't look at your analytics. Like it's going to give you a bad time, you know, like don't, you know, don't stress over numbers, you know, or like, don't just like keep looking at your viewer count and this and that. And like, I, I, I do agree with that to an extent. Um, but I do think there's so much information to be gained from looking at your analytics. Um, and you just have to analyze them in the right way. You know, you you can't look at them as, um, you know, you can't look at them as a negative thing, you know, oh, this means my channel's dying or this means this was bad. You have to look at them as, as a learning process is why, why, why are these analytics like this? Um, why did viewership dip at this point of the video? Why have my streams been getting less views? Um, you know, and figure out what was working and what wasn't working and then go back to what was working or maybe try something completely new and see if that works, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that's a very important thing to, to, kind of, to kind of look at is, is analyzing what you've done in the past and figuring out what went wrong or what went right and then iterating on that. Um, you know, when it comes to some guys who are a little bit like, you know, content creators, their their job is very isolated. You know, they a lot of them do, you know, a lot of work by themselves. They kind of sit sit with themselves all day. They're they're in their heads a lot. Um, you know, so it's so it's a little tough to kind of talk them out of that. But I think what what I try and do um, mostly is just say like, what what can I do to make whatever you're doing easier? You know, what how can I make your day to day an easier process? What can I do to improve the workflow, you know, that, that, that we go through, you know, how can I, how can I make all of this laid out in a way that you want it for all your brand deals? What can I do to help you organize your future videos? Like what can I provide to you to make it easier? And if there's anything, you know, that they want me to do, um, you know, for their sake, like that's, then that's what I end up doing. Um, so I think that's kind of the goal is like, like my job aside from securing them, their brand deals and aside from getting them, you know, paid, um, is to make their life easier. And, and that's kind of what, that's kind of what I look at as my job is like anything I can do to make your job easier is that's what I'm going to do. And I think, I think what you just said is super it's super powerful and, and, and empowering for anybody really is that analytics and it's kind of the double edged sword of content creation is analytics and numbers are so powerful and in, in multiple ways they can destroy you and they can uplift you all at the same time. Like when you're thinking about streaming, if you're, if you only had two viewers for an entire stream, that can be debilitating for somebody because, you know, it feels bad to be streaming for few people. If, if your intention is to grow 
And if you had one stream for some reason, you get 10 followers and you're like, wow, something's actually happening. But then for a week, you get zero followers. You're like, well, what the heck, you know, now I suck again and you can be really sad. And at the same time, like the early growth can be extremely slow. And just like you were talking about YouTube, you know, one video that does bad or not nearly, maybe not as good as previous videos. Well, instead of saying, well, that video sucked and that was bad and I did something wrong and woe is me. Well, what was it about this video? Like you can flip that on the other side and really use those analytics to understand like, okay, this is where people dropped off. Or what was it about this video? Was the click-through rate not as good? Did people not watch as long? And what was I saying when people dropped off? Um, you know, looking at that is just feedback and it's not negative. It's not positive. It's just what it is and being able to use those things as learning. And I take that to Rocket League. Uh, you know, if when you win a game, what? how did I play differently when I win games as opposed to when I lose games? And when I miss the ball, well, I'm not bad at Rocket League. That's just a specific touch that I haven't learned how to hit. At, like there is one shot in Rocket League right now that I've been trying to do for the past couple of years that I've just completely sucked at. And in the past two weeks, I've noticed so many times that I've miss hit a ball in a very specific way that it just makes my blood boil. And I'm starting to practice that now and getting a little bit better at it. And instead of just saying I suck at Rocket League, I just need to get into a training pack and practice this shot. Uh, it, and it's the same on YouTube. Like if a YouTube video doesn't go as well, well, what part of that video didn't go as well? And how can you iterate on it? The I mean, the word iterate, I could not find a bit like you just said it so perfectly. Um, and linking that back to rocket, it's the it's the exact same thing. Like, yeah, not yeah. beating yourself up, not getting sad about it or thinking that you're bad. Like, just take that feedback, take that thing that you're bad at and try to be a little bit better. The yeah, next it's, time. It's it's one of the biggest tips that I see Rocket League creators give as well um, that nobody ever listens to is watch your replays, you know? And so many people say like, I know like nobody really likes to go back and watch the replays, but like go back and watch your replays and see what you did right and what you did wrong and how you can adjust on that. Because when you're playing the game, like everything looks good when you're playing the game. Um, but if you actually go back and watch your own play, you know, and analyze what you did right and wrong, that's how you find the issues and, mm -hmm. and adjust them. You know, yeah. and it's the same thing for, for content creation and, and your analytics. Like that's how, that's your replay. That's how you figure out what, what went right, what went wrong. Um, and it's probably a little bit harder to kind of take the data and, and look at what went right or what went wrong for this mm -hmm. specific video than it is to just kind of watch a replay and say, oh, I challenged there, I shouldn't have challenged whatever. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, there's there's always there's always improvements that that can be made, and and even some of the biggest content creators in the world, um, you know, put out a video that, oh, it only hit three million views instead of ten million views. Like that video sucked. What did I do wrong? Um, you know, so like it it happens at all levels. You know, right. you just got to figure out kind of what what you got to do to improve. Do you ever do you know if you ever have creators that will go back to like one of their better videos? one of their top five videos if they like if they have a bad one you know they go back to one of their top five videos watch that 
then watch that other one, the one that they feel like underperformed, watch that one back and kind of go back and forth in between the two. I honestly, I I don't know, but that's not a bad idea. Like, I think that that would be an interesting way to to look at your content is this is a video I was really happy with, like how it performed, like why, why did it perform so well? And then look at like simultaneously, like look at one that, that didn't perform well and go, okay, what what's the difference in these two videos? Um, I think that actually be a, a very interesting way to, to kind of look at things and review things that went well and things that didn't go as well. Especially if they're of the same formula. Like one thing that I've been thinking about in content, because I've really wanted to get the YouTube side of things going for me again. Uh, and one thing that I just kind of realized in terms of why I, cause I'm, a, I'm an extremely analytical person. Like I think about things a lot and try and break them down in almost like puzzles. Like everything's just a puzzle to me. And one thing for content that I feel like has led to me not necessarily being as successful is I've, I've all my videos have kind of been on their own Island. Like they haven't, there's been no kind of, um, formula or recipe for them. And it's just been like, okay, now I'm going to do this and I'm going to mush it together this way. And a video is going to pop out the other end. So I haven't said, okay, I'm going to make a video and this is going to be the general outline of the video and the little bits and pieces might be different on the inside. Right? So I might try and take block C of the video and try different things within that formula. But block C is always going to be there. So I'm wondering, you know, if you had a content creator that had a video that performed badly, take a video that they feel is extremely similar to that video, compare it to the other one. And, you know, how did I change things up or how did I do something differently in this one that performed really well as opposed to this one? And what what are the differences in between these two or what can I take from this one that performed really well and um, put it into this poor one? And I. I want you to answer that. And before I do that, I want to make a really interesting direct correlation to Rocket League because I didn't, I haven't necessarily been watching a lot of my replays lately, but I've been watching a lot of professional replays lately. And obviously their replays are a lot, quote unquote, better than mine because they're better players. And I've been able to find things that pro players do that I wasn't doing. And all of a sudden I put those few things into my game and I've become a better Rocket League player. So it's almost that same kind of technique with the videos, but with Rocket League play and Rocket League replays, not necessarily watching my own, but watching somebody better and putting it into my own play. So whether they look at somebody's video that performs a lot better than theirs or their own that's performed a lot better than theirs and how can they insert some of those things into a lesser performing video if they feel overall, you know, it performed quite well. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. Like, I, I think there's a lot of potential there to kind of review again, like what what made this video good? Like, even if even if there's two videos that are similar and one performs really well and one doesn't perform, like what was what was the key difference in the video that made it not perform? You know, is it something that that can be fixed? You know, is it something that you can just change the way you edited the video or frame the video 
um, and, and fix that issue? Or is it just maybe something that is going to be inevitable? You know, like if you did this video about X pro and then this video about X or Y pro and Y pro is just less, less, you know, famous, you know, less, less big of a personality. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously this one is going to do better than the other one. You know, is it something like that? Or is it just something where like, it's two similar videos about the same thing, um, where, the first one, you know, did really well. And then the second one kind of flopped. Is it just that the first one was a brand new idea? And then once you kind of went through it again, like, and didn't change it up, did people lose interest? Um, you know, another, another interesting thing I found is I was, I was talking with Floomp a little while ago about a video he had done a few years ago. Um, and the video did not perform well. And both of us thought that it was going to be a video that would perform really well. Um, so we were talking about this video and like wondering like why it didn't perform well and like it had kind of the right draw, but then we discussed what it would look like if he remade that video today and reframed it, you know, kind of really flipped around what the purpose of the video was showing off or, or how he edited it or kind of showed what was happening in a different light and maybe, maybe went into a little bit more of the things that he had cut out of the original one that he didn't want to show, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, I mean, I think like videos also have their, their, um, their moment in time, right? Like if you get a video out that, that fit the, the timing, you know, mm -hmm. and it did really well, and then you get another similar video that like wasn't as relevant, um, you know, like that's obviously going to affect it and like vice versa. If you do a video that was like before it's time and then, you know, now you re put out kind of a similar video and it, and it, and it, you know, gets a, gets a million views, like you can kind of compare the two. And like, sometimes that's the only correlation is it was the right time. I mean, you see, uh, especially now with the way YouTube is, is recommending videos, like you see all these videos that are like seven, eight years old, that are all of a sudden getting recommended, you know, where they pulled a thousand views in their first six years. And then in the seventh year, all of a sudden YouTube is like, Hey, this video is good. People should watch it. And it gets a million views. Um, so I think there's like, there's so many factors um, as to what makes a YouTube video good or bad. Um, and there's so many factors aside from that, right? Like a, a YouTube video could be really good, but there's some YouTube videos that, um, just won't work with some creators. Like, I think, I think Sledge was talking about this in his, in his interview with, with, uh, with Widow about how there's some videos that he could make that just wouldn't work on his channel that would work on someone like Sunless's channel. And there's, and, and like, that's just the reality of YouTube, mm -hmm. um, you know, is that sometimes you could make really good content, but if you don't have the right audience or if you're not the right size, um, or if you put it out at the wrong time, you know, it could just, it could just not take off, you know, something that would work for one person may not work for another person. So there's so many variables, um, that, I mean, like it's, it's really hard to identify specific things in videos. So that's why like whatever you can do to identify things that worked or didn't work, like you got to do it, you know, like if there's something where you can say for certain, like, this is why this worked, or this is why th this didn't work. And if it's something that you really can pinpoint, I mean, that's amazing. Like that's, that's such invaluable information. Mm -hmm. Um, or sorry, that's such valuable information. Um, like it's, you know, there's, there's so many ways you could look at videos and compare videos and compare concepts. Um, and, and any, anything you can pull out of that, that will tell you like, Hey, maybe I should try doing this. Um, you know, like that's, that's such a good way to analyze your, your stuff. 
Do you watch any con? Do you watch a lot of content outside of the Rocket League world on YouTube? Um, yeah, I watch. I mean, I watch everything Mr. Beast puts out because he's like his videos are entertaining, but the way he makes videos is just a masterclass on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so anything Mr. Beast says to do, I tell my <laughs> creators to do it. Like yeah. he's he's mastered it. He understands YouTube perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he says do something this way, like I I tell everyone, like look. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but Mr. Beast knows what he's talking about. So listen to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't watch too much. I don't watch too many creators outside of Rocket League. Um, I even don't even watch too many Rocket League creators now just because there's so much content. And I try and I try and watch most of my creators and even that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, aside from that, like Mr. Beast, um, Yes Theory, I watch a bunch of Yes Theory. Um, I started recently watching Zach King, who does like really cool editing tricks. Um, Is that Z A C K or Z A C H? Z A Z A C K, I think. I haven't heard of this person. Yeah, it's uh, Z A C H. Okay, that's Z A C H. Oh, that guy. Um, okay. I honestly, I saw him. I I saw him on a Mr. Beast uh, stream. Like when Mr. Beast did one of his events, I, mm-hmm. I saw this dude. So like that's where I kind of fig- found him. You know, huh. um, and he's and he's a massive YouTuber. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from that, like I don't watch, I don't watch too much outside of outside of Rock League or outside of gaming. I watch some music guys. Like I love Davey Five Hundred Four. Um, you know, he's like pioneered the ability to get subs and likes on his video like he's turned it into a meme within his video um you know so that's why you look at his videos that have like a million views and it'll have three hundred thousand likes because like he just he's built it into his brand to like his videos um you know there's some creators like ryan george who does like comedy skits um that are absolutely hilarious like i watch every single one of his videos the second it comes out um first we feast is a great channel um you know, for, for hot ones. I mean, yeah. um, what's his name? Evans, uh, Chris, not Chris Evans, Sean Evans, Sean, Sean Evans, Evans yeah. is a, is an amazing interviewer. Um, you know, like, and, and, and the, the, the celebrities he gets on there, they're always just like, dude, well, that's, that's a good question. Like you're really good at this. Yeah. You know? So like that, like that's the kind of stuff I, I like to watch outside of rocket league. Um, mm-hmm. but even in gaming, like, I don't, I don't really watch much gaming videos outside of rocket league gaming videos. Um, I'll tell you, Rizzo, Rizzo's live channel where he just puts his stream clips up has been one of my go-tos lately because um, it's not Rock League. It's just him just like watching and reacting to memes. And I love it. Like his, uh, like some of his stream content is so good. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, that's about it. Um, we actually work with with quite a few uh, RuneScape YouTubers. Oh, really? Um, Interesting. Which actually has a pretty big, yeah, uh, Old School RuneScape has like a really nice, like solid following on YouTube. The um, the community around that game and how it just keeps on coming back and, you know, I never played RuneScape, but I feel like 90% of gamers for some reason played RuneScape once for some time, some time in their life and it always yeah. just comes back up. Yeah. So, so a lot of those guys, like I'm watching a lot of their videos now and just like, again, like I never played RuneScape either, but I'm just kind of starting to learn the game a little bit, you know, through their content. Um, so yeah, I mean like, I don't, 
it's hard for me to watch a lot of YouTube because I just don't have like the time to watch yeah. outside of like the YouTube. I kind of, I'm kind of required to watch. Right. Um, you know, like I got to make sure that this video was, was done properly. I got to make sure this ad went in well. Like, so there's a lot of YouTube that I like have to watch. Sure. Um, aside from that, I mean, hundred thieves, YouTube channel, hundred thieves as an org, you know, their, their content is top notch next level. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I try and push on a lot of our guys too, is like for, for doing IRL content like that. Like if you want to make any IRL content, like just, just go look at hundred thieves, YouTube channel, like go check out the kind of stuff that their content house is doing and, and try and make a rocket league version of it. Mm. Um, and we actually, I mean, that's a, a bit of a teaser. One of our, one of our pros may be putting out a video in that style, um, in the near future. So we'll have to, uh, see, see how well it gets done that's that's the uh see how well it gets done yeah, we have to see <laughs> see how well it gets done and then we'll have to edit it together and, and throw that out but i think that'll be a really cool video so i have to ask and i don't i don't know if you have an answer to this or any thoughts on it but like where where do you see rocket league content moving in the next six months to a year because i feel like it's very clear what is very popular right now and what has led to people growing and and where do you think or what are opportunities for people moving forward that could be like or even something that you think was like oh this would be a good idea and nobody's like bid on it yet um so in terms of rocket league specific content I really have no idea. I mean, the way content has innovated, even in the last two years, has been crazy. You know, like uh, a lot of these concepts I never would have thought of. I mean, back in the day, if you weren't John Sandman, Neat Mike, or Woofles, like you could not make a gameplay video. Uh, it, it just didn't work. It, you, the only successful YouTubers were making crate openings and, and trading videos and things like that. Um, you know, Sunless Khan and Floomp were the first two to really kind of go outside of that and start making some other kind of creative content. Um, you know, then people like Musty and Mercy, like really, you know, really kind of took over from that and started making a lot of like really cool stuff. Um, I mean, Jazer, like Jazer's been doing Jazer things the the whole time. I mean, he's right. insane. You know, the, the way he pumps out content, the freestyle stuff, like Jazer's just been in, in his own corner being Jazer mm -hmm. um, and is just so successful because of it. Um, but even now, like all the content that's getting made now and all these new content creators that are popping up, like it's actually blowing my mind a little bit, um, in terms of like these, the ideas that people are coming up with. And, and, and I think, and I think a lot of the creators are noticing it too, is that we're, we're getting to the end of that stage a little bit. Um, a lot of these, like guess the rank, find the hidden bronze player, um, you know, this rank versus this rank, you know, this rank versus the commenters, like a lot of that stuff is kind of spreading its way around the YouTube community now. Um, and I think it's, there's, it's still got some life left. I mean, all these videos still perform very well. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it's, there's, there's going to be a point where somebody is going to start putting out something completely different. Um, and, and you'll see a transition to kind of whatever's new. Cause I don't know. I mean, you know, I hope, I hope this current style lasts for a while. I hope there's a lot more videos to make out of it. But even now you're seeing like a lot of YouTubers borrow ideas from other YouTubers and put their own spin on it. Right. Like there's mm -hmm. not too much different that's going on. I think honestly, right now, Sledge is making some of the most unique content, um, you know, with the game shows, which nobody else is really doing, you know, these, these air shows, these art competitions, 
um, he definitely has something very unique there. I mean, Sunless is always, you know, Sunless Khan is Sunless Khan. Um, there's nobody like him, and I and I don't think there's really anybody. There's going to be anybody else like him. Um, but in terms of Rocket League creators moving on to new content, um, I really want to see once the world opens up a bit more and uh, and you know COVID is a little bit less of an issue. Um, I want to see a lot of IRL content. I want to see some of these Rocket League guys with huge followings, um, the Musties and the Sunlesses and, and all that, start getting into some more IRL content. And I think there's a lot of big opportunity for those guys to transition their content a little bit into more of like the the YouTuber genre instead of the gaming YouTuber genre. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I know, I, I think Musty has like a, just like a great, personality to kind of do that kind of stuff like he is he he gets it you know he really understands that like youtube and how to interact with his audience like he knows his audience so well he knows what they want he knows how to talk to them um so i think him doing some kind of irl content like could resonate really well with his audience um sunless i think could do some really cool things i know he has some kind of interests outside of rocket league um you know that i think he can make some really cool vlog content on um and even like some of the pro players, like I know I've been talking a lot with with Gyro about IRL content and obviously that phase connection. Um, you know, phase is all about content. They do the right. IRL stuff all the time. You know, if if they want to help their Rocket League players kind of push into that scene, like that's a very easy, you know, Gyro can can get into that IRL content and phase, you know, can help them every step of the way because right. that's what they're all about. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, IRL content is, is that's the thing that I want to see. I want to see a lot of these guys transition into, into YouTubers instead of just into Rocket League YouTubers. Um, you know, I think Preston is one of the best examples of that as a guy who came up um, in, I believe it's Call of Duty and then Minecraft and then IRL. And now he has like seven channels. He has like an IRL channel. He has a Minecraft channel. He's a Call of Duty channel. He has uh, like two different IRL. Like it, it's crazy. The the is that the Preston plays guys? Yeah, guy? yeah, yeah. So like it's crazy what he's built up. You know, like he's built his his brand into a is into a YouTube conglomerate. You know, right. every single channel he has um, is massive. Mm -hmm. You know, so like that's that's where I want to see some of these guys go. Uh, is in that direction because I think there's Rocket League is still you know obviously there's a lot of high hopes for Rocket League um, the 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 kinds of viewership that Rocket League gets today is something I never would have imagined in a million years you know when when three four years ago the peak was 200k like if you were getting 200k views like you were killing it in Rocket right in Rocket League um, but uh, but yeah I mean IRL is where. I would like to see it go in terms of rocket league content and how it evolves. I have no idea. Yeah. Like there's, there's way more creative people than me trying to come <laughs> up with new ideas, you know? Fair so, enough. Uh, so that's it. Like, I'd love to see the IRL stuff or just something where these guys can, tr can transition outside of just making rocket league content. Yeah. Interesting. Cool, man. Well, uh, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued to see where it goes and I, I appreciate the, insider point of view on all of it because i certainly i don't watch a ton of rocket league content but i certainly understand like what's going on right now and i'm i'm very intrigued to see how it continues to evolve over time well um i think 
that's a good place to start wrapping things up. So we will go ahead and start doing that. And as always, the first part of that is, uh, Cavallo, do you have any final thoughts for the Infinite Boost podcast community, the listeners of the show? Um, I mean, no, not, 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 not too much. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, I don't do too much of my own kind of content stuff. I'm not really that, that, you know, forward facing, I'm more behind the scenes. Um, so it's definitely cool to kind of chat with you and, and give my thoughts and perspectives on stuff. Um, and, uh, I would just say like to all your viewers, like make sure you watch rocket league content. Cause that's, that's what my job relies on. <laughs> and he likes his job. Yeah. Wants to keep it. So, you know, watch it, watch it twice, watch it three times. You buy everything they recommend you buy and we're good. Perfect. All right. And uh where where can people check out the memes on online from you? Um so I am only on Twitter really, uh at Cavallo. I managed to secure that that handle um pretty long time ago, which was nice. Uh makes it easy. Um but yeah, that's that's about it. I don't really use any other social media platforms. All right. And that will be linked down below. And I, I do appreciate your insights to things, uh, you know, especially as people talk about content or organ. I know that you had a pretty interesting short little thread the other day about orgs that I that I appreciated reading as people were talking about different things. So you always have a you always have a very reasonable insight to uh you know the content side of things but then as well as esports and and whatnot so uh, be sure to follow him there and then finally a question of the infinite boost audience so you can ask a question of everybody that listens to the show and they can get back to you on twitter uh, or something like that so any any question that you might want to ask oh i i don't know that's a that's a tough one um, you know what? All right, all right, we'll keep it. We'll keep it simple. We'll keep it simple. Um, Octane or Fennec? So, so let me know. Let me know. There's, there's only one right answer, and there can only be one. So, Octane or Fennec? Oh, I'd have to go with the F1 car. I mean, that's that's not an option. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my show, so it's an option now. <laughs> all right. Cool, man. Well, yes, let him know Octane or Fennec. Um, and we'll, we'll see. I think you just started one of the, you just started a civil war in my Twitter Good. feed. Good. That's, that's what I, that's what I intended to do. That's just, that's just what I need in my life. Yeah. Cool, you man. You need to create a little bit of fun on Twitter, you know? Yes, yeah. definitely. Uh, cool. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. So thank you for billing, being willing to come on the show. And as always, thank you for the boost. No problem. It was a pleasure being here. <laughs>